welcome to Best Book Forward, the podcast where I talk to authors, publishers and book lovers alike about the books that have shaped their lives. Think of it as like Desert Island Discs, but the bookish version. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Beth O'Leary. Beth is a Sunday Times bestselling author whose novels have been translated into more than 30 languages. Her debut, The Flatshare, sold over a million copies and is now a major TV series. All of her novels since, The Switch, The Road Trip and The No Show were all instant bestsellers. Her latest novel, The Wake Up Call, published in September and it is a witty, warm, wintry romance that is guaranteed to fill you with joy. I absolutely adored it and I'm so excited to have the opportunity to talk to Beth more about it today. So, Beth, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today. Hello, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. Oh, I've been so excited about this, so (laughs) thank you. Oh, no. I think we have to start off by talking about the news that you shared yesterday, um, that the Wake Up Call has gone on to Sunday Times bestselling list. It's amazing. Oh, gosh. And you know what? Every every book has, which is unbelievable. (laughs) Like, it is it is so crazy to me that that's happened, but it does also mean that with each one, you're like, "Ooh, can I, can I do that again? <laughs> at some point, I'm going to end the streak. Like at some point it's going to happen, but I'm very relieved that it wasn't this one. And it actually felt really, really special because this is, you know, when I said I wanted to write a wintry book, I... I knew because I know a little now that I've been doing this for a little while, I know the publishing world a bit. And I knew that autumn is autumn's when all the big books come out. You know, it's when it's when the blockbuster books come out. It's when the celebrities release their books. It's the kind of big pre-Christmas hardbacks. And I knew that sort of that means it's much harder to get anyone to pick up yours, of course, because they've got so much choice. And um, I kind of thought this might be the this might be the time that we can't quite get there. And to see the wake up call on that list with you know absolute giants of commercial fiction i felt so proud like i felt like i don't know maybe i'm doing this now i don't know like a real moment of like i am a proper author actually <laughs> and it felt really amazing <laughs> Beth, you are a proper and brilliant author and it's <laughs> so you. well deserved. I was Thank delighted you. when I saw it. Um, I always think of you really fondly, not just because I love your books, but you were the first author I ever met at a publishing event when oh. I was a baby bookstagrammer. <laughs> oh, do you know what? They, the, the flat share, when they published that, when my UK publisher Quirkus, when they published that, they did such a clever thing that I didn't even really know was clever because I didn't really know about the world of books then. But they reached out to some lovely bookstagrammers who I think, like you say, like they, you know, hadn't really had publishers pay much attention before and said, hey, do you want a copy? And, and um, it's so special now because so many of you are now, you know, enormously influential in the book world. And and like I've known you since since the flat share years ago, and I'm like I was there. I was there at the beginning. Yeah, and it is. I remember you standing. I, I think it was Anna who met me, and we were talking. And I said, oh, "I just really want a lovely read." And she's like, "Oh, you've got to come meet Beth." And you were standing there by the little bed. Yes. <laughs> oh, was this at the? Yes, it would have been at, at the showcase. Yeah. Yes, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I and was I just super nervous. If that- I was. <laughs> Oh, we were both nervous. And probably neither of us said. We were probably both pretending not to be. <laughs> I just felt like a massive imposter. I was like waiting for somebody to be like, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I have loved following your journey and all of your books. Um, they've all been wonderful. So I'd love it if oh, you could start by you. telling everyone a little bit about The Wake Up Call. Yes, I'd love to. So The Wake Up Call is about Izzy and Lucas, who are receptionists at a beautiful falling down ramshackle hotel in the new forest um and the hotel's really on its it's struggling it's struggling to stay afloat um and when izzy finds a collection of old rings like wedding and engagement rings in the lost property um, and returns one of them and gets a big reward for the hotel management get very excited and they task izzy and lucas with um returning all of the other rings um but the challenge is a little more challenging because Izzy and Lucas absolutely despise each other. 
Oh, it's such a wonderful read and I can't wait for everyone else to pick it up. Oh, thank you. Before we talk about the characters, I would like to just sort of talk a little bit about the sort of setting and themes. So as you said, we've got this charming and slightly chaotic crumbling hotel. (laughs) (laughs) We're really struggling to stay afloat. We've got the uh, wintry Christmas that they're preparing for who Izzy is all on board with. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got the lost engagement rings with all the sort of lovely stories that they hold. And I feel like you found the perfect recipe for a romance. I love winter. It's just so perfect. Like all the little elements that come together. We got married on New Year's Eve, so I'm all for the wintery romance person. I am. I am. Um, So I'd love it if you could tell us where the inspiration behind it all came from. Yeah. So I'd actually had the idea years ago for somebody returning some wedding or engagement rings. Um, And because I I find rings really fascinating, if that's not an odd thing to say, but I just think a ring, we use it to symbolize so much. And I loved the fact that if you had somebody who had a whole bunch of rings, they'd have like in their hands, a whole bunch of love stories. And in returning them to people who had lost them or had them stolen, I hadn't quite worked out why this person had these rings and how why they would end up giving them back. That was sort of the problem I had with it. And that's why it sat for a long time. Um, But in returning those rings, I knew that that person would then essentially become embroiled in all these little love stories. And the beautiful thing about that is it gives you a structure for a novel and, and, and you can have each, each of those love stories showing us something. And then you get that lovely satisfying feeling when you know how all of those love stories kind of resolve and come together and what each of them means. And um, so I I really loved that, but I didn't have, it was just one of the many ideas that I have brewing in the back of my head that is sort of half or a third of a novel. And I'm like, there's something in that. And maybe one day I'll find the rest of it. Um, And sometimes those ideas, I think maybe this is a bit uh, sort of, I sometimes find I I sort of sound like I'm talking about magic when I talk about writing, like magically these things happen. But I think sometimes an idea waits for when I'm ready for it. And for me, that idea was sitting there waiting for its kind of setting or its context. And then I was working on another book, um, which I'm still working on and which I love with all my heart, but which is a very, very ambitious story and has been a real challenge. And my little boy was just about to start nursery and I was really wobbly about it. I felt really emotional. It was such a big change. And I, I think I wanted to just write something really fun and escapist. And my publishers sort of said, because I'd mentioned to them a while ago, you know, about thinking about a sort of, I'd had, I had had this setting in my head, this kind of wintry setting and about the idea of writing something wintry. And they kind of said, would you be interested in writing something for this autumn? And I was like, oh, no, I can't do that. I've not got time. Like, and then I just, we went on holiday as a family. And I just, this story just unfolded as I was on holiday over a week. It was like, I had that wintry setting, the rings locked into it. I kind of thought, I knew I wanted to do something wintry. And then I kind of was like, what have I got in the back of my brain that could work in that way? And then, you know, of course, like, where do you take off your ring when you're going for a swim? Um, and I thought, what about a hotel and spa, like somewhere? And that something for me, there is something wintry about hotels. I don't know why, because actually, I, you know, you, you, you think there's summer holidays and things as well. But for me, like a Christmas at a hotel is just so romantic. So it's suddenly all slotted into place and all those little pieces um, kind of came together. And then the story just flew from me. And it was a joy to write because nobody expected it I'd kind of said I can't do that I was not you know it wasn't what we'd agreed we were going to do I won't be able to write it in time and then I kind of thought okay do you know what I really want to write this right now I'm just going to let myself have a go and it was just like taking all the weight off I felt like it was a secret little book that nobody knew about and I could just luxuriate in it and it was as it was just joy from start to finish it really was and it was a joy to read as well. Oh, thank oh, so. you. That's really interesting. Like when you, because I often think as a reader, sometimes the right book finds you at the right time. But obviously, I as totally a totally agree. <laughs> yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I love hearing when my books have found somebody at a time when, like, I, I think you know that the flat share really it 
it did very well when it came out, but it had its real sort of moment of success at the beginning of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And so many people will say to me now at events when I am meeting readers, I read the flat share, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic when I was really scared and and low and lonely. Um, And, you know, it brought me some light and joy in that time. And it just makes me feel so... It's just such a privilege to, because that's what books have done for me so many times. And I just love, I love hearing that from readers. Oh, that's amazing. As you were talking there about the rings and things you were saying, you were looking your mind. I just imagined your mind as this treasure trove. All these amazing <laughs> that's <very> stories. <laughs> that makes it sound, yeah, it's a little more chaotic and messy. And <laughs> But let's go with treasure trove. I like that. <laughs> I'm just imagining all these new books that are waiting to brew out. It makes me very excited. Um So Izzy and Lucas, uh, the book opens with Izzy being so brave and vulnerable and sending this little Christmas card and telling Lucas how she feels and not quite the response she was hoping for back. (laughs) So so we know that they're sworn enemies and I I always think you do different point of views so well. And in this book, I think you do, you just do it so well. But I think in this book, as you start to sort of see Lucas's side and understand Mm. what's happening, um, it all really makes sense. I felt, and as you're just talking about it, say how much you enjoyed writing, I felt I could feel that you enjoyed writing it. Um. And I just wondered with the two of them, was there a character that you found easier or more enjoyable to write than the other one? Or do you love them both? So often that is the case. Often there is one voice that comes more easily than the other. With this book, they were both very, um, very real to me, very early, which is such a gift. It, and I think is probably a big part of why it was such a joy to write. Um, because I find character either sort of comes very quickly Um or it can take a really, really long time to fully happen. Like, so for instance, Jane in the No Show, she was very slow to reveal herself to me, which is very Jane, because she's very slow to reveal herself to anybody. <laughs> um, but she, I, you know, I, I I love her now as a, I feel that she's a very well-rounded character and she feels as real to me as my others. I, I hope she does to other people too. But it took a long time to get to know her um and that meant a lot of work kind of going over her and I'm really quite late stage I remember going for a walk with my husband and just saying to him like I don't think I've quite got why why she's like this like I know she is because it feels right to me that for instance she's very she's very routine driven and but I I don't think I've got the reason right like I, I, it doesn't feel true to her and, and that was the key I then finally was like yes this is why she is the way she is and that informs so much of how else you know she behaves and and now I can now I can get her um but with these two honestly they just marched in and <laughs> started arguing and I was writing down like snippets of their dialogue I remember when we went on that holiday where I'd come up with the idea uh, or like piece together the novel I remember putting the kettle on and in the time it took the kettle to boil just whipping my phone out and just writing a couple of lines of dialogue because they were so in my head I, I couldn't sort of they, they wouldn't like let me get on with other things <laughs> that's how it felt so yeah they were both very very easy to come to me I love that. I love when authors talk about their characters. I always think, I just wish I could see inside your mind. (laughs) It's just so interesting. Do you think your characters lead you or do you always have plans for them or do they just know what they want and you sort of are the puppeteer for them? Yeah, so that really relates to what I was just saying about when they fully come, I think. Mm -hmm. So when there's a sort of moment when a character turns from being something I can manipulate, like I could decide early on, actually, I want Izzy to you know, I, I, I want her to behave like this in a certain situation. So there she goes, there she's, she's doing it. Um, and then after a, a point, they sort of become like a real person. Like you couldn't, like, you just know, you know, one of your closest friends would never buy a cat, you know, mm. uh, there's, there's a, then a point for me where I'm like, Oh, it'd be great if they bought a cat, but they just wouldn't do that. So that's not going to work. I'm going to have to think of something else. Um, so if that happens early, then a book is very character led. Um, but if it happens late, then it's maybe a little bit more of me doing the puppeteering. And then sometimes that means once I figured them out, having to go back and change things. I'm a very, I do a lot of rewriting. I'm not a very um, efficient writer. <laughs> 
I'm going to disagree. How many bestsellers do you have? (laughs) But how many thousands of words have I deleted to get them? Like, I don't know, 400,000 maybe in total. (laughs) I remember seeing um, Kristen Hanna uh, a few years ago. Mm. She was talking about the four wins. And apparently she wrote that, got to the end and realized that she was missing the main character. So started again. Started again. Mm. And she was like the main character. And she was like, no, it makes sense. And they said, once she knew what was missing, she just flew through it. Wow. Well, I'm glad it worked the second time. (laughs) But it's, I mean, you kind of fear that happening as an author. I think you Mm. think, what if I've like got this completely wrong and I'm going to get to the end and have to rewrite it. But I've had that happen. You know, I've had, again, with the no show, I got 70,000 words in before I really realised something very big about that book that I won't say because it's a spoiler but I had to do so many rewrites I almost you know not not a total rewrite but certainly a total rewrite of one thread of the novel um and but I just didn't care when it actually happens when that idea hits you and you think the book is going to be so much better when I change this you don't mind the work as much as you think you will, (laughs) you know, when you're laying down those precious words and you think I must never delete these. They are so like, they have been so hard to write. And then actually when you know it's right, you're just, it's, it's not so hard to let go. (laughs) Well, obviously that care that you show for your story shines through off the pages as a reader. So thank you. Um, So Izzy and Lucas and the chemistry between them, there are some brilliant scenes between the two of them. (laughs) And I know you said you wanted this to be a novel which brings joy and it really does. Like I could visualise the two of them, so many points. And I just wondered, did you have a particular scene that you loved writing for them? Oh, that's a great question. So there are two scenes in the book that take place in the swimming pool. Like when you're you're writing a hotel (laughs) setting with a spa, obviously I was... I was looking for like, oh, where are places in the hotel where I can have interesting things happen? Because I, I really wanted lots of the action to be in the hotel. Um, and the swimming pool, it just lends itself to a good, sexy scene. Um, so there are there are a couple of scenes. And the, the second one, um, where they end up in the swimming pool together. <laughs> that is probably one of my favourite scenes. And I actually tweaked it a lot to a very like in a very late draft to and this is a challenge I always face with my books because I'm always trying to kind of deal with emotion at the same time as sort of humor and sexiness and you know it's quite it can be quite difficult to get that balance right and in that scene they are both actually being very vulnerable with each other and sharing a great deal um but it was just trying to get that kind of exposure and vulnerability in a way that only strengthened the sexiness of this kind of wet pool moment of connection but and never kind of dragged the scene down you know you want it to feel still bubbly and light but also I think it's so much more powerful if you get this sense that they're not just connecting physically they're also starting to actually see each other I was hoping (laughs) because it was brilliant and you're right because you do balance things so well you get the humor and things but it is that you can sort of see I just think it would be like uh I could see it as a movie just that sort of moment of them yeah so brilliant I (laughs) loved it and also Lucas in a wet shirt I mean who doesn't want to see that you know what one of my editors I won't name names but she her comments throughout she was like she I actually need a little bit of encouragement generally from my editors with writing about sex I find I will I tend to underwrite a sex scene like that's kind of my I notice that's like my habits and I think it's partly it takes a little bit it takes a little bit of a nudge of confidence from somebody to be like no we do want to know more you're not just like kind of going into going into it too much so um it's one of the things that my editors often do is kind of say like love this more more please (laughs) and one of my editors like her comments all the way through just kind of like loving lucas here could he be not wearing a shirt (laughs) actually something that she caught quite early is i had put the their uniform was a black shirt um and uh she put a little note being like look I hate to say this but I do feel like a white shirt might be better for the swimming pool scene (laughs) and I was like do you know what that's a great shout (laughs) really (laughs) so you know important editorial notes (laughs) 
<laughs> that's so much fun I guess it probably is quite vulnerable though writing sex scenes of sort of it you know is. because they will be the ones that people talk about mm. and you know sort of striking the balance it must be really hard I hadn't thought about that yeah it is really hard to write sex well um and it's it's sort of for me I think it's about not actually sort of getting into the what, where, when, (laughs) if you know what I mean. I think for me, the sort of sex scenes that I tend to write are very much focused on how we're feeling in the moment. And I think that's what makes it hot, you know, is that feeling of kind of uh, what you're experiencing, not kind of exactly what's happening. So I tend to not get too technical, um, which I think does help. Um, but yeah, this is a pretty sexy book as of, of my kind of backlist. Um, mm. and it, I felt it should be because, you know, Izzy and Lucas moving from hating each other to not hating each other. Um, <laughs> you know, that journey, I mean, part of, I, I wanted to do enemies to lovers. I love enemies to lovers as a, as a romance mm. reader. Um, and I wanted to do my own take on it. And, and for me, that meant, really diving into the kind of psychology of it really of like how can you fall in love with somebody that you hate um and how can you do that healthily because actually I want to write healthy relationships I want to write Mm. good kind men um who are flawed and who have things to work on but who ultimately you want the heroine to end up with you know and, Mm. and vice versa so um that was a real challenge with this because they you know, they're pretty horrible to each other at times. (laughs) And it was trying to get that balance of kind of that never feeling toxic so that you could then really root for them to come together. And and for me, the natural way for them to get from, God, I absolutely hate you, to something more meaningful than that was kind of via fancying each other. Mm -hmm. I feel like particularly for Izzy, who, um, you know, she's very self-reliant, she's very strong. Uh, and she's very, she, she's, she's a little quick to judge actually. And she sets a line because she's learned to do that because that's how she protects herself. And she, mm-hmm. for lots of reasons, you know, she, she, she finds that she's had to protect herself and, and stand up for herself. And so once she set a line, she's kind of made her mind up. And so it's very hard for her to acknowledge that maybe she's wrong about Lucas. Mm. Um, so the way she kind of finds an outlet for that feeling is to go, okay, maybe I just want to have sex with him. Like, I don't like him, but you know, he's, I'm finding this weird feeling of like, maybe that I kind of do want to hang out with him and maybe I, I do like him, but it must just be that I just need to get this out of my system and I've just got a crush. And if we just sleep together, it will be fine. Um, <laughs> so that felt like the a fun and quite plausible way for uh, the kind of the psychology behind that like shift from hating someone to caring about them um to kind of how that could work so yeah that's kind of how it ended up being quite a sexy book I think so you can blame Izzy <laughs> <laughs> it's all her fault <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> Bless her. um so I think something you do as well in all of your books you have great cast of characters around the main Thank characters you. and uh in this one so we have poor Mandy who mm. I loved I actually worked <laughs> with somebody who was called poor I won't say the name just in case no! <laughs> yeah. I love that <laughs> she's kind of uh, I really thought of her throughout and I was like oh where she is now bless her <laughs> um but at the beginning there is one character who pops in it's a bit of a blast from the past and mm. I just thought it was the most wonderful moment for you to have put in it's so special and I just wondered Aww. if you could tell us who makes a lovely appearance in the wake up call so I think you're referring to there is a little phone call so Izzy is ringing around everybody that stayed at the hotel at times when the rings were lost um and so there's this whole book full of names and I just thought I was working on you know I was on set with the Flatshare TV series at the time when I was working on this book um and I couldn't really talk about it yet. It was all still super secret and I couldn't kind of share all the details, even though I was desperate to. And I think that meant that Tiffy and Leon were kind of in my mind. And I I really love in other books when people drop in a little Easter egg to somewhere else, but I've never really done it. So um, I just thought, 
who might have had a long weekend at this beautiful hotel in the New Forest. Um, and so Izzy makes a call and and uh, the person she calls is, is Tiffany Moore. Um, and so we just get a little snapshot of how they're doing now, a few years on, just to check in with them, you know, in case anyone's worried. <laughs> It was lovely. I thought it was oh, so sweet to see that <laughs> pop up. I had to go and get, I saw it and I was like, oh, I picked up my copy of the flat show and I was like, it is, it's her. Yeah, it's why I said Tiffany, not Tiffy. Yeah. Why I used her full name because I thought everyone will immediately know if I say Tiffy. But if yeah. I just say Tiffany, there'll be people that will read over that and never think of it. But there'll be people who are like, hang on, I'm sure that was Tiffy's surname. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was. And I was like, oh, maybe it's somebody in your family who's really important. You're sort of sending a little message to them. And I was like, no, it's Tiffy. <laughs> oh, well, I know you set out to write a novel that brings joy and I would say mission accomplished. It is the most joyful and romantic read and I would absolutely recommend you get your hands on a copy as soon as you can. Thank you. So, right, before we go on to talk about your Desert Island books, I just wanted to remind listeners that all of the books that we're talking about including all of Beth's will be uh, linked in the show notes with links to buy as well so don't worry about trying to sort of remember everything that we're talking about okay so how did you find choosing your five books oh I found it really hard but also once I decided to sort of I was like that I'm not going to be able, you know I'm not going to be able to do this sort of to a point of like every it's perfect you know so I just sort of said pick five and then it was quite fun <laughs> once you were like maybe I'm just gonna have to say you know five that kind of show my writing journey maybe was sort of where I went with it um I'm just getting my list up actually just to check that I because I've realized I want to make sure that I um remember that all five is one of those things that's uh yeah. just about too many somebody asked me the other day for five uh recommendations for books they were like can you recommend oh. five books I thought like oh my goodness that's actually loads <laughs> and then afterwards you'll be like oh I should have said this I should have said oh, that oh yeah totally I can I think you can only hold about three things in your head at a time and then after that you're done right my list is in front of me okay so should we start then? Do you want to tell us about your first book and uh, why you picked yes. it? Yes. So the first book I've picked is The Autumn Story by Jill Barclay, which feels like a particularly appropriate book to be talking about as I look out at our garden where the leaves are starting to turn to autumn colours. Um, if anyone doesn't know, this is part of the Bramley Hedge series, which are some picture books for young children. And these picture books for me were when I first started writing stories. So I they have really, really intricate illustrations um, of these little mice that live in the base of a tree. And it's, there's, you know, hundreds of things in a picture. It'll be their larder and they'll be, and everything's oversized because they're mouse sized. So, you know, if there's an apple, it's like bigger than them. And if there's a, you, you know, um, and so I used to, before I could read, I remember sitting on the floor with the autumn story which was my favourite of the series and looking at a particularly beautiful image with these giant blackberries and rose hips around it and these little mice in their little world and making up what might be happening in the story, um, you know, without reading the words. Because I don't, I do think it was before I could read this, that the memory comes from. Um, and so they have a really special place in my heart, those books. Actually, when when we were pregnant with my first, we we've got some prints from the book that are up in the nursery um, because I, they, they're that special to me, you know, they're, they're, they're part of my childhood and I kind of wanted them to be part of his. Um, so yes, that was my first book. That is amazing. That is so lovely. Um, I think those books, like you say with the pictures as well, mm. they just, they're so beautiful, aren't they? I don't know how, because I mean, I can't, it sounds awful, but Baby Days with my two. I don't remember reading any of the Bramley Hedges with them, which no. I feel like I really let them down. Do you know what? No, my <laughs> copies are so battered that um, they're actually still out of reach because I don't think they'd be able to withstand the two-year-old. Um, oh. But I do have my old copies from when I was a child, which is really lovely. And I really want to hang on to them and share them. Yeah, that's lovely. I think it's really lovely when you can share stories that you enjoyed as a child with mm. your, your own children. Mm. Obviously, I wouldn't want you to ever stop at what you're doing, but I was thinking, when I saw this pop up on your list you have such a lovely way of writing you are such a, a really lovely and warm person would you ever consider writing a children's book do you think yeah I sometimes sort of think I sometimes think about it but 
for me, I would only want to do it. And I always say this about when anyone asks about, would you ever write in a different genre or anything Mm. like that? Like if an idea came to me that was perfect for that, then I would, I don't think I'd hold myself back. I wouldn't be like, Mm. no, you don't write that sort of thing. But the ideas that come to my head are, are just the sort of fiction that I write at the moment. Like it just seems to be what, what I want to write. And it was, it was when I started writing this sort of fiction that I've, you know, I'd written many novels before The Flat Share, but The Flat Share was my first finished novel in kind of, that was a romantic comedy and for adults. Um, and cause I used to write sort of young adult stuff before. Um, and it just felt like I'd found my voice. Like I'd, it felt like I'd found what I wanted to write. So I'm kind of where I want to be now. And, and, but you never know if an idea popped into my head and I read a lot of children's books now, so it might do, who knows? Who knows? Never say never. Exactly. <laughs> okay. What about your second book, Beth? So my second book, I have put Northern Lights by Philip Pullman. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've read this book and it came to me when I was just at that stage of reading where you're insatiable. Do you know what I mean? Where you are old enough to read widely um, and to re- to realise how many books there are out there. Um, and it just captured my imagination. I loved it. And as an adult, I still love it. I think it's one of those amazing stories that is so intricately and beautifully layered that you can enjoy it at any age almost. Um, in fact, I remember reading it alongside Milton's Paradise Lost and because I was reading that for university and then I picked this up because it has so many echoes of kind of that story in it and reading it kind of through the lens of that book and thinking this is just so fascinating. Um, and no, I think it's a real masterpiece. And I also think that... It was interesting to me to read about Lyra, who is a very brave girl, but she's also quite badly behaved little girl. (laughs) And I was always very good and very studious and very well behaved. And I sometimes look back at what writing was for me because I've written my whole life. And I sometimes think that it was almost like a place where I could do whatever I wanted and I could experiment and try things. And as someone who was very careful and always watching, you know, as that sort of kid, I think meeting characters like Lyra who weren't like that at all and would push at the boundaries and, you know, maybe stories were sort of where I explored being a little bit braver. Um, And in my writing, that's kind of what they were too. So yeah, I often think of Lyra as such a beautifully well-rounded character because she's, you know, she's, she's very imperfect in, and, but she's just so fierce. Um, and I think we love her in, not, not even in spite of her flaws, like we love her because she's so well-rounded and it's a good reminder to me as a writer that, you know, readers are very generous with their love. I think (laughs) they will, they will love a character if they see good in them and they see them being kind, um, and standing up for people that can't stand up for themselves, for instance, as Lyra does, um, even if they are a very imperfect person. I think we almost love the imperfect ones as well because they are us, right? (laughs) Totally. (laughs) We see ourselves in that and we think, oh, thank goodness. (laughs) Not everyone's perfect. (laughs) You know, you've just really sort of triggered a thought for me so my daughter is going to be 11 soon and she's always scribbling away little stories that's great to hear it's so cute but as like as you're saying that she is very good and you know she's very sort of willing to please and Mm. things but quite often her stories Mm. they are a bit naughty and I was like oh I guess that's what she's doing then I think it was like that for me anything Mm. can happen in a fictional world you can create yourself a universe where you can your character can do whatever you want them to do. And actually, if you're naturally quite cautious and wouldn't try something new yourself, you can write somebody who would. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's really interesting. I shall go and look back at her. Start analysing. Yeah, <laughs> what does she secretly wish she could do? <laughs> well, she's going through a bit of a murder mystery phase at the moment. Oh, no. <laughs> She's just started, she started reading like Sherlock Holmes and things at the moment. Oh, so. wow. I love that. What a great sort of, uh, yeah, genre to get into when you're little. Yeah. I, I think mystery is so much fun when you're, um, yeah, when you're an early reader. 
Yeah, definitely. I haven't actually read Northern Lights. The only one I've read is The Book of Dust mm. and I must pick it up because uh, I'm always a bit funny with fantasy. I sort of get a bit ah. like, will I believe it? Will I be able to get mm. into it? So I need to sort of open my mind up a little bit. I think fantasy is a tricky one. I find, I love reading fantasy, but I find magical realism difficult. Like mm. in the way, in that kind of way that you say, where it's sort of like, it's the normal rule world, but some rules are broken. That I struggle with. I'm like, but, it, but, it, but that doesn't make sense. But if that can happen, then why can't, you know? Whereas I, if if it's a fantasy world, I can just fully be like, right, we're suspending all the rules that I know. <laughs> People have wings, I'm in. <laughs> that's what I need to do okay so we're moving on to your third choice then so my third book is Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen and I think this was really probably a more formative novel than I realized um, for a very long time I read it as a teenager and I was obsessed with the BBC adaptation with Colin Firth with incidentally a wet white shirt (laughs) so (laughs) who who can think how Lucas ended up in one of those um uh, but I knew I knew you know half the words from that series and I used to watch it on video all the time um showing my age um (laughs) (laughs) but this book I think is was probably my first proper romance novel I think it is a romance novel um and it's such an extraordinary book I mean uh, where do you start with Jane Austen you know she's she's probably my favorite writer of all time she what I love the most about her is that she writes characters so incisively and humorously. She will absolutely nail a person in one line. And even after hundreds of years, you can look back at it and go, I know someone like that. I know someone just like that. And then it's always undercut with this warmth. And I think that's what I love is that she's never cruel or unkind, even when she's poking fun. Um, and, you know, that's how I want to be as a writer. I want to be loving even when I'm even when I'm taking the piss. Um, and I think that's what she does. And and um, that story for me is a particularly special one just because I got so swept away by the romance. Um, is there any like romantic proclamation more like swoon worthy than the like, I, 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 you must allow me to tell you how ardently I admire and love you. And the fact that he says admire before he says love, like, in the context of their story is just so perfect. Um, And yeah, I was, I am from a very big family. So I have lots of brothers rather than sisters, but I think I loved the big chaotic family that was sort of at the heart of, of the story. So yeah, that one has a very, very special place in my heart. I can tell. It's so funny. So I remember, I mean, we've talked about this on these series before, I really struggle with the classics. And when I Mm. saw it come up on your list, I was like, right, I read this at school. I'm a lot older now. Let me pick it up and see how I can do it. So other than the text being so tiny, I'm like, have I got Mm. the right glasses? (laughs) Yeah, you need a better edition. (laughs) I do. I really do. But I've got into it and I'm really enjoying it. So I was like, gosh, isn't that funny that I've sort of always been, oh, I can't do the classics. But I mean, I think it's going to take me a long time to get through. Yeah, yeah. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm so glad. Yeah. I think if you can... I think there's there's fear attached to the classics really understandably because they are often dense and difficult. And why do they print them in such small letters? <laughs> it just makes it harder. We need bigger margins like we get on commercial <laughs> fiction. Um, but really, if you can, I think that's why I like to talk about Pride Prejudice as a as a romance novel. It's a love story. You know, it almost makes it less intimidating, I think, because people think, oh, well, I love those. And actually, so many of the books that we now consider literary greats were commercial fiction in their time you know Charles Dickens was serializing his stories in and he was like sort of almost pulpy fiction then that's how that's how people kind of saw him and now he's sort of a bit intimidating to read but I always think it takes that away if you think like he was the the writer of his day who who people would you know stand they'd they'd stand on the like harbour waiting for the ship to come in with the next installment of the story Mm. because they couldn't wait to to read what happened next and these are are the early sort of forefathers I think of of yeah. the kind of books that that we pick up and race through by the by the pool now yeah yeah no, it's really interesting isn't it and it's, I think 
having that association with school as well. It's sort of yes. reading things that you have to read. Totally. And I think often our, our feelings around reading are that it has to be hard to be worthwhile. And then a lot, because that's kind of how reading feels a lot of the time when you're young and you're tackling a big, difficult, old book. And mm. then lots of us kind of discover do you know what reading can be really fun and then we're sort of like I don't want to go back to how reading used to feel you know when I had to read all those old books (laughs) (laughs) so looking at how I've always had this sort of association of like with it and I'm picking it up now and sort of like oh I'm enjoying this I'm guessing you've read it a lot of times have do you find that when you read it again that you're seeing different things or you have different sort of perceptions of characters or yeah that's a really good question I do think it feels a little different when you pick it up later, I think the way I read it as a teenager was was sort of I tore through it as a love story, really. And um, not that I necessarily would have acknowledged that it was a bit of a book snob, which we will come on to with my next with my next choice. But um, now, a lot of the time, I think this is probably perhaps because I've read it so many times and I'm able to kind of step back from it a bit more. But now that I'm a writer and or an author, I was always a writer, I think. Um, but I read it in kind of wonder at like mm. the skill. I read it and think like, what an absolutely brilliant turn of phrase. Or yes, she has completely got that character. You know, I kind of read it mm. a little bit more removed possibly, which is maybe a bit sad now that I say it. I want to get back to reading it like a teenager again. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you just need to watch uh, Colin. Yeah, instead. yeah. <laughs> I think that her. would be really good for me. <laughs> I think I, I should think do so. that. <laughs> okay your next choice is this um yeah I saw this and I was like if we're doing it in the same order you sent it through to me I was like this feels like a very intimidating book and I'm so interested to hear about it yes so I put this one in because I wanted something that kind of acknowledged a stage in my reading and writing life so this I have written The Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer now this is a really old book I think it's from like 1500s I should have checked that before I um came on sorry um but I read it all it's very long it's in verse um and it's kind of it's essentially it's an epic an epic poem and it's um it it is very hard to read it is very long and it is very hard to read and I read this at university when I was studying English and it is the one time in my life when I wasn't writing when I was studying and I think some of that is to do with you know the relationship I was in at the time which wasn't good for me and but some of that was about the way I was reading and the way I was approaching books and what books were to me and I I think I had a bit of a kind of oh oh it's we only read the greats <laughs> a little bit of that kind of attitude and um a little bit of book snobbery and I'd stopped reading for fun Um, And when I kind of came out of university and picked up women's fiction, which we'll talk about in a moment, I looked, I sort of really rebelled against that. And I was like, do you know what? Why was I reading all that old shit? (laughs) (laughs) You know, why is that any better than all the other stuff? Why was I, I didn't enjoy the fairy queen. (laughs) I just trolled through it. I got through it. But actually, I think um, I then kind of, as you often do, I think when you're going through a phase of moving one way or the other way. And I, I kind of came to a middle point with it where I thought, actually, you know what, in the way that we were just talking about, about Dickens, like this is a rip roaring adventure and it's really hard to read because it was written ages ago, but there are elements of this that are still really fascinating to me. And this book is actually referenced a little bit in the road trip. Um, the fairy queen, there are a few, it's, it's what Dylan's uh, writing his PhD on. And um, I think that was, for starters, it's a, it's a story about journeys, just like the road trip. Um, and I knew I wanted, uh, with Dylan, I was sort of playing with that sort of pretentious literary type that I think I had fallen into at times. Um, and it, But it was also really nice to go back and say, do you know what, I did get a huge amount from that time and as a reader. Um, and what well, you know, what an extraordinary privilege to spend three years intensively reading um, stories, like for my life to be that, like that was incredible. And yes, I don't want to read it again, <laughs> but actually I am glad I read it. 
But I, I have to say, when I saw it, I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't. Well, I don't want to say don't read it, but I'm not going to be reading it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't worry. I don't think it's going to be going straight to the top of my pile. <laughs> yeah, you've got presumably a very long TBR. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm all set. Thank you. You know, I'm finding really interesting and sort of as you're talking about these, I'm just thinking like there's sort of markers. I mean, I know you said you've picked books that have inspired your sort of writing, mm. but you can see that these markers that sort of coming through from what you've read and how you've brought them into your own career. And I love that this book that... I just looked at it and thought, that looks really intimidating. You've brought it into this beautiful book of yours and sort of paid it paid your respects to it almost in yes there. exactly that's, that's really what I wanted lovely. to do was to say you know for the last couple of years I've been talking you down <laughs> but actually you were important to me <laughs> so wonder, here's a mention <laughs> I wonder what Edmund Spencer would think if he could find I think he'd be horrified at a woman like me writing a book <laughs> <laughs> you never know maybe he'd be delighted <laughs> yeah maybe he's more open-minded than I'm giving him credit for <laughs> perfect so we're on to your final book Yes, so this one um, is Rachel's Holiday by Marion Keyes, which is one of my all-time favourite books. Um, And I chose this one partly because it is an all-time favourite, but partly because it kind of signals a big, big change for me as a reader. So um, a friend recommended uh, Marion Keyes to me um, around about the same time as as I, I just sort of discovered women's fiction, really. And I'd never read it. I'd read, I'd read Young Adult. I'd read a lot of fantasy. Um, and I read a lot of classics. And I I don't think I would have admitted it, but I never would have gone near a book with like a fluffy looking cover, you know, something pink with a shoe on, that kind of vibe. Mm. I would have thought, I'm not going to read that stuff. Um, it's a bit trashy. I think that's probably what I would have felt. Maybe I wouldn't have said it, but I think that's what I felt deep down. And uh, for some reason, I think because someone recommended it who I trusted and respected, I thought I'll give it a go. Um, And I, it was such a revelation to me. I felt like, is this what's been hiding behind all these pink covers? (laughs) Is that these cartoon women standing on the front of these books (laughs) have been hiding these extraordinary deep, sensitive, fascinating novels about what it means to be a woman, about what it means to fall in love. Um, and if, if this is what chick lit is, like, I want to write chick lit. Um, and it was a total shift for me as a writer and as a reader. And I just I devoured Sophie Kinsella, everything Marion Keyes has written, you know, the kind of greats of, of, of that sort of period of, of women's fiction and, and romantic comedy. And, um, I felt like, uh, I don't know, we'd all been conned. <laughs> why, why hadn't I been told? And it really, really made me question the way I make choices as a reader. And um, why was I so dismissive of these books by women, for women? Um, kind of where where had that snobbery come from? Um, that lots of us carry, I think. Um, and I hear it from from my readers, not, not in an unkind way, but um, I often hear people kind of almost uh kind of doing themselves down when they talk about reading my books you know people will say like oh I I, I am not very good at reading you know big complicated I I like a light read like yours because I can I I can actually concentrate on it or something and I I kind of feel like saying like there's 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 no less value in the way you're reading my books and you know people will talk about them being a guilty pleasure and I just sort of feel like don't feel guilty you know what's guilty about pleasure like this like you are reading for joy and that's a wonderful thing um so it's been a learning curve for me to get to that point um and I'm so glad that I did because I love what I write and I love what I read and um you know romance is my favorite genre now um and I I might never have I I hope I would have eventually come to it but I really wish I'd come to it earlier and not wasted so much time thinking that I had to read things that were worthy and that other people would you know respect me for reading do you know what I mean yeah but then if you look back at what we've just been talking about those books have got you to where you are so you know I I do believe things happen at the right time for us yeah maybe maybe I found women's fiction just at the right moment Mm. and I think actually I did I did appreciate it all the more for kind of thinking it's been buried here. Like I've not, I've not, I've not discovered it. Um, and, and now I, I'm so, I, I try and be really careful to kind of not judge a book before I've read it. Mm, that's really interesting. So the, somebody who recommended that to you, mm. 
they changed, their book recommendation changed your life, really. Yeah, and it can, can't it? Yeah. Like a book can, I think, change your life. I mean, obviously, I'm a, I'm a quite literal example because I'm a writer, but I think there are, you know, I could have honestly, I could have given you like twenty books and could have been sat here for like four hours because <laughs> there are so many books that I have read. I remember reading Twilight when I was about to start college, and I was so nervous. I was really, really worried about going to this new college, and I read it in a day, and I just didn't do anything else and it just transported me away to a made-up world for a day when I really really needed that and then I went to college the next day you know it was a tough day and that book transported me somewhere else for it and I think that has so much value too you know there's so much value in escapism when we need it like that break for your brain like we all need that sometimes Totally. Yeah, no, I think there is. There's reading for joy and there's reading to escape or to learn or to sort of understand people. Mm. I just think it's such a, I think we're so lucky as readers. Like when people yeah. tell me they don't read, I'm like, oh, or they watch the sort of movie, but don't read the book. I'm like, oh, yeah, You'll f- they need to find their book. That's what I always think. It's like, mm. oh, I wish I could sit down with you and just help you find your book. And then I love it when someone says to me that, like someone said to me last week at one of the events I did that the switch was their gateway book (laughs) and now they've read 150 books in a year um and I just think I'm so glad it found you your book that you needed at that moment that would get you into reading yeah it's it's amazing isn't it it's really really lovely um shamefully I have never read Marianne Keyes. Oh my gosh, Helen, you'd love her, honestly. <laughs> and again, Rachel, which is the sequel to Rachel's yeah. Holiday, which is 25 years later, is maybe an even better book, but I feel like I should say the first one because it was, yeah. you know, the first and it came at the right moment. But um, I think she is a modern Jane Austen. Like, honestly, she's a she's an extraordinary writer. I think I think sometimes people find the novels a little slow to start. I don't, but that is something I've heard a few times. Mm. But by the end you will like the characters you will not want to leave them I, I miss them at the end of a Marion Keys oh, book I love that I love that when you miss the characters yeah. so great isn't it where do you think I should start then with hers oh gosh is that really um, putting you on the spot sorry no I just think it's very serious like I've got to take that question seriously <laughs> I would start with Rachel's Holiday because it is okay. my favorite and I think that's yeah that's a good place to start to get a sense of who she is because if you like the way that my books kind of marry darker themes and lighter themes, mm. she is an absolute queen of that kind of finding humor in really. So, I mean, Rachel's Holiday is about somebody who is in rehab, mm. um, but sort of prefers to think of it as <laughs> being on holiday um, and um, thinks it's going to be lovely. Uh, and actually, it's sort of about the slow unraveling of her coming to terms with yeah, it's it's just mm. absolutely, and there's a amazing, really unique romance in that book too. So yes, okay, I will add it. I will add <laughs> add it. it to your teetering pile. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> can hear them all I groaning. Bet doing this podcast must make that a lot worse. <laughs> mm. well, when I used to do these on Instagram, and I was like, I'm not buying every book, but because it was an Instagram live, I'd feel like I need to show people the oh, covers. Of course. So, well. <laughs> and then you know, then you got to read them because they're in your house. You own them. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I think buying and reading are very different that's hobbies. That's so true. <laughs> yes, that's very true. I am a fan of both. <laughs> Me too. Me too. So Beth, I've got a really hard question for you then. And okay. I won't hold you to it because I promised when I saw you, I wouldn't hold you to this one. <laughs> but if you could only have one of these books to read again, I'm guessing it wouldn't be The Fairy Queen. <laughs> no, we can ditch that one. That can go. And to be to be honest, the autumn story, it's too short. Oh. <laughs> I can't pick one that's uh, that's little. <laughs> But yes, if I could only read, so my one Desert Island book, mm. um, I'm going to pick Pride and Prejudice. Just because I think it, I've read it, reread it so many times already and it has never got tired to me. Like I, mm. I think I could reread it sort of endless times and find something new in it. So I will pick that one with great difficulty. Well, I'll let you have the others. Thanks, all good. My Desert Island's got loads of books on it. I'll probably send some of my TBR too. Yeah. (laughs) Ideal. Oh, Beth, it has been so wonderful to talk to you today. I have loved every minute of it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's a really fascinating way to kind of get into talking about books, isn't it? To kind of pick your five. It's been very interesting. Thank you so much. It's hard, but it's interesting. Isn't yeah, it? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Beth's wonderful new novel, The Wake Up Call, is out in hardback and it is a wonderful read. She wanted a novel to bring her readers joy and she has absolutely nailed it. 
All of the books we've talked about today, including Beth's, are listed in the show notes where you'll find links to buy them as well. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. And if you did enjoy it, please rate, review, subscribe, and most importantly, please tell your friends about it. Thanks for listening.